0: Welcome and welcome back. Trust that you found time this summer to recharge your batteries? I too have been away for a while. It's common for rabbis to uh, feel that by the time July rolls around they are in the last sprint of a long marathon, stumbling to the finish line, tongues hanging, legs heavy, breath labored. You see these rabbis at summer conventions or some other gathering with sunken cheekbones, bent over with exhaustion, worn out husks, seeking relief from their communities. Of course, our community only inspires. If rabbis get tired here, it's only exhilarated exhaustion, the kind that leaves you not empty but filled with gratitude. Every day here, we thank the Lord and you for allowing us to be here. There but for the grace of God, we could have been in – well, I won't say because we broadcast our services to some of these places. (laughs) Still, it's good to get away for a while. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. One of the places that relaxes me is vineyards. There's something so soothing, so romantic, so aromatic about a late summer harvest. It's purple fruit, heavy on the vines, the wood rotting in the summer sun, giving off that unique fragrance of the miracle that will become one day a great napa valley cabernet and i was still thinking of strolling the rolling vineyards of summer when studying this week's Torah portion shoftim the parsha also speaks of vineyards it provides that a soldier who is exempted from a soldier is exempted from battle if he has planted a vineyard, but has not yet harvested it. It's part of a magnificent passage of three exemptions from an impending war. Deuteronomy describes the fighting that begins, and before the battle actually starts, an official shall address the troops and order the following three categories of people to return home. They cannot, they are forbidden to participate in the war. One who has built a new house but hasn't yet moved in. One who has planted a vineyard but has never harvested it. And one who has become engaged but never married. Talmudic sages consider this passage to be a lesson on how we should live our lives. The order is not coincidental, say the rabbis. What is the sequence of events that constitutes a good life? Build, plant, betroth. First, build. Build a house. Establish the framework, the basic structure of your life and career. Everyone needs a a home and everyone needs to be grounded in their own space. The rabbis advise us that when we are young, we should dig the base. It requires the kind of focus and energy that diminishes over time. So when you have it, use it. If you do not prepare, if you do not plant the pillars deep, there will be no edifice and no secure foundation for your life. Depth comes before height. First the foundation, then the accomplishment. You do not start out master of the universe. You start at the bottom and work your way up. You dig before you climb. You build the house before you live in it. If the foundations are not solid, the structure will collapse. It's what the third little pig knew better than the other two. The sages advise us to spend time and effort here, at this first phase. We're not in a race. In fact, it is often the case that those who have spent more time in this first phase building the foundations end up more accomplished later on. How many people do we know who were superstars when they were starting out? But it all dissipated because they got ahead of themselves. The foundation was not strong and the big bad wolf blew the house down. There is excitement in focusing on the hard work of the foundation first because to build something from the bottom up is to appreciate how high we have reached through our own efforts. And from time to time we could even stop along the way and look back and take in the view. Second, Plant. Fill in the foundations with the permanency of long-term investments. Plant the seeds that will bear fruit only years later. You can't drink the wine of life if you have not planted and cultivated the grapes. If you speak with the great winemakers, Anybody ever go on, like, a vineyard tour in Provence, or the Rhone Valley, or Napa Valley? You should go in there, and if you speak with the great winemakers, they will happily tell you how long it took them to perfect the Cabernet. We just go to the store, or drive up to the vineyard and purchase a couple of bottles, paying little heed to the years of trial and error, the discovery of the precise way that the sun shines on certain tracts of land at the optimal moments of the day, the soil conditions that vary from acre to acre, the very hour that the grapes need to be harvested, expertise acquired through pain and sacrifice, trial and loss. Error and frustration. In most cases, these grapes did not start out prized. They began as the grapes of wrath. Years, sometimes decades of patient investments that pay off much later. The fruits of accomplishment ripen over a long time. Patience is a quality that I wish I had more of when I was younger. It would have spared me many mistakes and much aggravation. Third, betrothed. After you have built the foundations and have planted for the future, then, say the sages, wed partner with someone. I didn't study this passage until after I got married. I had nothing on our wedding day. No house and no garden. Nothing planted except what was in my brain. Soon after our wedding, I abruptly changed careers. As my wife still reminds me, frequently She thought she was marrying an attorney. (laughs) But my experience of young adults today is that, by and large, they actually follow the ancient rabbinic advice. They want to establish careers first. They want to build and save. It's rare for me to officiate at a wedding when either of the partners is under the age of 25, the age that I was when I got married. Jewish wisdom is so inspiring in its basic simplicity. The sages recognize that we start out working for ourselves. Marriage symbolizes the transition from the self to others. But we need that phase first, that we focus almost exclusively on ourselves to build the foundations and to plant the long-term investments are so time and energy consuming that while the rabbis encouraged all of us to partner with someone, as the book of Genesis says, it is not good for a person to be alone. Still, Jewish wisdom teaches that we must also be for ourselves, im enanili mili, If I am not for myself, who will be for me? It is not that self-awareness and self-regard are discouraged in Judaism, to the contrary. Without a high sense of self, there is often only low accomplishment. We are competitive, ambitious, and even envious of friends and colleagues who we may think are more accomplished and are ahead of us in various stages of life that even the rabbis set forth. That's not all bad. Competitiveness propels achievement. We cannot compete well if we are not competitive. And if others jolt us to work harder that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, the Torah portion tells us that the reason for the exemption from military service for these three categories of people is the fear that if they should die in battle, someone else, someone else would simply step in and take over on the cheap what was purchased over many seasons and much labor. If a person who has planted the vineyard, taken all that time and all that effort to plant the vineyard, but has not yet harvested, if that person is killed, someone else, says the Torah, will swoop right in and reap the harvest. And that fear in the mind of the soldier is so devastating to unit morale that it is best to exempt such a person from military service at all. I can identify with that. So much work goes into those perfect rows of vines so much loving attention and cultivation, so much of the owner's personality, so much effort before it became a grape wine. It's not just grapes, it's everything. It's almost as if those grapes have a personality, that they're part of the mishpocha, the family. And after all this, before the first harvest, someone could just waltz right in and produce the cabernet and reap the rewards. In other words, Judaism recognizes that competition, pride in our work, possessiveness in and of themselves are not inherently bad. They are necessary characteristics, especially in the building and planting phases of our lives. But the sages teach that there comes a point when we must wed. We must commit to something and someone and some principle and some goal beyond ourselves. That is what marriage represents, someone else. And it's why the Talmud implies that it comes after our most egotistical and self-absorbed phase. We can't stay in that phase. We have to move from the foundations. After years of investing in ourselves and pursuing our own ambitions, we run the risk of going beyond healthy self-regard into narcissistic self-obsession. We see that all the time in America. And the collective cannot survive if the individuals are only concerned with themselves. Thinking about others, doing for others, these are the reason, the purpose, and the fulfillment of building and planting. We need material things, we need a house and an income And a good bottle of Napa Valley Cabernet in the gloaming of the setting sun is heavenly. How sweet is the light and what a delight for the eyes to behold the sun, writes Ecclesiastes. But affluence and personal accomplishment alone are not our purpose. What we really want is life. in life is not a bigger bank account, Although that would be nice. What we really want is some profound understanding of why we live that can only be acquired through others. Our highest humanity always leads to something or someone other than ourselves. The more we actualize our humanity, the more we are led to serving others, believing in others, helping others, and loving others. So don't forget to wed. Wed yourself to someone or something, not yourself. This is the purpose of life. Life optimally lived is for, with, and through others. As John Steinbeck wrote in The Grapes of Wrath, the quality of owning freezes you forever in I and cuts you off forever from we. If he needs a million acres to make him feel rich, seems to me he needs it because he feels awful poor inside himself. And if he's poor in himself, There ain't no million acres going to make him feel rich. And he don't seem like he's having much fun. Maybe he's disappointed that nothing he can do can make him feel rich. Amen.